0: Welcome back to another episode of Somewhere Between, a podcast made by Asian adoptees for Asian adoptees.
1: Welcome back to another interview episode. I'm Alia, and today we're joined by a special guest, Molly Coles.
0: Hi, my name is Molly. Um, I'm a Chinese adoptee. I was born in Hunan um, and then adopted in '98 when I was about 10 months old. Um, I was adopted to Canada. I've lived in Canada for the rest of my life since then. And I'm currently living in Kingston because I'm about to attend medical school um, here at Queen's University. Awesome. Really
1: excited to have you on. And I actually didn't know that you were also adopted from Hunan. We are adopted from the same province.
0: Oh, are we? Amazing. Are we adopted yeah. the same year?
1: Uh, no, I was born in 1998.
0: Oh, okay. So I left when you were born. Darn.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but that's awesome. Cra- it's so crazy Like when you get to hear um, people, you get to meet people who like in life you would have never met in china because you're on like opposite sides of like the province but here we get to to come together
0: exactly and from my understanding the hunan province is decently big too yeah Um, so i do find that i do hear hunan quite frequently when i try and like meet with people and find out where they're adopted from um so it's always good to meet a fellow hunan adoptee
1: yeah same i always actually hear from like other regions i've only met maybe like two or three
0: maybe oh, they're well, hiding
1: from me <laughs>
0: <laughs> well I guess I'm fortunate enough that when I was adopted I was adopted in an organization so we had a family of about 13 um mm. go over so all my China sisters as I call them now that I've grown up with um Aww. we all were adopted from the same province I think and then moved back to Canada and the Toronto area um so I guess when I think of other adoptees it, it's them. <laughs> so it makes sense that they're all adopted from the Hunan region because we were all adopted together. Oh, it's amazing that you guys like still keep in touch. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, we're really fortunate that we have amazing parents who really want to make sure we stayed in touch. Um, mm-hmm. We're lucky that there's a handful of us who actually went to the same school or were in the same school district. Um, so they knew each other really well, but we had Christmas parties, Halloween parties, Easter parties when we were kids, um, adoption day celebrations and even now growing up um we had a zoom call a couple months ago checking up mm-hmm. on each other um so i'm very fortunate that we have a good community uh, within our little family there
1: yeah that's amazing so it seems like you've always had like a pretty good relationship with adoption
0: say yes um overall um i think there's definitely times when you're growing up and that just goes for everything you have times where you like things where you don't like things Um, I think in general, if you were to ask me, I'd say my relationship with adoption is positive. I Mm -hmm. think I'm very fortunate. I know that that is not uh, the case for everybody. Um, But I just always knew I was adopted. Um, Both my parents are white, so it wouldn't have been very easy to hide that. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm very lucky my mom, um, what she did was she made a photo book, um, a storybook about my adoption so photos from even before I was born when my parents decided they wanted to adopt me Aww. and then photos of them coming to China and like my baby clothes and getting ready for me and then photos of me um so it was the story of my adoption kind of thing so we would read that at bedtime so it just was common as common knowledge to me that I was adopted and this was my story hmm. so just of like a like,
1: fairy tale book
0: yeah, it was kind of like my own fairy tale book. Yeah, it was very, like, I still have it. I have kept it, obviously. Uh, but I think just having that, I guess, beginning of learning was adopted, not making it, like, a big thing in the sense that it was just, like, yeah, you're adopted, and then, this is our story. This is how our family was made, um, I think, was a really good way. There's mm-hmm. definitely times when I, you know, have gotten older where I, you know, wish I knew more information or I've been more curious or been kind of upset about it. But I think overall, I would say I have had a positive outlook on my adoption.
1: That's great. Yeah, and it's definitely, I found that, at least just from talking with people, it's always best when the parents are pretty open about it because then as like a kid, you get all your questions answered and you get, you know, it feels like an open and safe environment. Then Mm -hmm. something's being hidden that's like very clearly obvious to us.
0: And I think one of the lucky things um, for myself is that I'm actually – I don't know, like third generation adoption is the right thing to say, but my dad's um, father's, my grandfather, he was adopted. Um, oh. So I, I don't know too much about his adoption, but um, he's, he's a white man. So I think he's Irish or English. Um, so he was adopted. Um, and also my aunt. So my dad's sister um, was adopted as well. So it's one of the reasons why my dad wants adopt because just our family has adoptees in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think also just, Having other family members who were adopted, too, and just family who understood what adoption was already. Um, just not even my immediate family, but my extended family a bit, too. Mm. was really fortunate for me.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's actually, it's a funny coincidence, because for me, um, my mom's mother was adopted, too. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah she understood, like, it's... the struggles and, like, what the, her the, her mother's feelings were towards adoption. So she was yeah. able to kind of address my own.
0: Yeah, and I think it's, of course, everyone's adoption story is different. Um, I think both mm. my grandfather, I'm not sure my grandfather, but I know later in life, he was able to connect with a couple of his birth family members. Um, and I know that my aunt um, is connected with both her birth mom and birth dad. Oh, wow. Um, so they are fortunate because they were both adopted through the Canadian system um, that they have that information. But they definitely could you know, understand some of the struggles that I've gone through. Um, so it's just been nice to know people who understand this. Even if everyone's story is, is different, um, there isn't a good general, um, general connections that people can make when they're adopted, you know. Mm.
1: So it seems like your family is, you know, pretty open and like it's easy to talk to them about adoption. Do you find that that was like the same thing with friends or just like people in general that you run into?
0: I think for the most part, yes. I think, um, obviously, it's actually kind of interesting when growing up, but I don't know if you found this. A lot of my friends who I grew up just like from kindergarten and stuff didn't actually realize I was adopted until like we were 10 or 11 because they just always saw our family together. I don't know if you ever had that
1: um, experience. Kind of. It depends which parent they actually saw me with because my mom is actually um, Chinese, but oh, my okay. father is Pakistani. So if I was with my mom, they'd be like, oh, yeah, like – don't blink an eye but yeah. like if i'm with my father it starts becoming ske- people think it's like sketchy like i know we were pulled aside at the airport one time and i uh, got, even i got like questioned at like age of five is this oh, your I'm father so sorry that
0: happened to you um i'm so sorry that happened to you
1: it's definitely a wild story <laughs>
0: yeah no it's kind of interesting because like i grew up in the same area i've uh, lived in the same house basically, since I was, like, one until I graduated high school. So these families just knew each other, being all the children who are my age and went to the same school as me, just kind of knew mm-hmm. us as a family. Um, the funny, A funny story I'll tell is um, one of my friend's sister or friend's brother all of a sudden just came up with her, came up to her with this question. "Is like, wait, Molly's parents are white. Does that mean her grandparents are Asian? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, it doesn't skip a generation. <laughs> But yeah, just for, I guess, a lot of my friends, I just didn't realize I was adopted for, I think, the longest time. And I think when they did, I was happy talking to them about it. For the most part now, as I meet people at university and such um, who don't see my parents, obviously, because I'm not living with my parents anymore. um, Mm. They sometimes will find out a little bit later just because it doesn't come up in conversation. I don't usually go up to people like, hey, I'm Molly. I'm adopted. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That'd be a little bit odd. But if it does come up in conversation, I'm usually pretty open to talking to people about it for the most part I think you'll find too it's like the same three or four questions like where were you adopted do you know your birth parents kind of thing um, yeah. how old were you um I think I think I think the most interesting and perhaps kind of borderline rude question I had was like in the fifth grade I had one kid um she was one of those kids in class who was like "Ooh, who do you love more your birth mom or your adoptive mom and I was like what (laughs) um but I think when it comes to like uncomfortable questions like that I've just kind of learned how to direct the conversation um but I'm happy to share my story um it's a part of who I am I don't feel a need to hide it and keep it away
1: yeah so yeah I know you said that you um wrote about your adoption story when applying to medical school so what was kind of your journey when you were thinking about, about your story and, you know, what you wanted to tell about it?
0: Yeah. So um, for those who don't know, kind of how the process of applying to medical school goes. Um, the basic overview is that kind of the first, one of the first steps is you have to do applications. And for the applications, depending on the university you are applying to, some of them ask you to write essays. And usually these essays are pretty like deep, have like pretty deep questions. Um and such and usually they're trying to figure out who you are um usually i can't disclose too much information but actually the essays are out there so that you can know about this but um usually they're kind of deep questions trying to like understand like a point in your life that was you know pivotal for you or extremely important or key and then mm. another question i had in another essay was um, the the question prompt was privilege and oppression what do these concepts mean to you um uh, which is that's a deep topic (laughs) to go into so I think honestly it was really good for me to do these essays a bit selfishly because it made me reflect on my adoption in a way I've never had um it's like for the question of like what's like one point of your life that's like really affected the rest of your life right was kind of the question they're asking like well obviously my adoption right um it's My adoption has changed everything about my life. It changed what language I speak, my culture, where I live, uh, who my friends are, who I know, all the opportunities I have. So I think that it was kind of the first time in my life I really reflect deeply on it. Um, I think it made me a bit more curious to know more about my adoption, which was kind of cool. Um, I definitely talked a little bit about how I feel very privileged in a lot of ways to be adopted. Um, I'm very lucky to live in Canada. You know, the Canadian healthcare system is amazing here. Um, definitely when you might compare it to other countries. Um, but also, I sometimes don't feel privileged in a way because I don't know who my birth family is. I don't know the culture I was born into. Those mm-hmm. kind of privileges that some people have, um, I don't have, right? Um, or even just like the privilege of like, um, getting education is huge to me. And I'm so fortunate I got that here in Canada. Um, And I'm definitely a bit of a nerd in the sense that I've always (laughs) wanted to push my education as far as possible. I think even from a very young age, I've always had that mindset as I want to do as many degrees as possible and do as much hard school as possible. Um, But I know if I was born in China, the privilege of education may have not been something I would have gotten. I may have not have finished my school or been able to go to university. Um, So I think overall, the essays really made me, you know, just think more about my adoption, think more of how my life could have been different um, and just kind of reflect on it. I think it definitely made me a bit more curious about learning about more of my adoption too.
1: Mm-hmm. So definitely for sure, I feel like next time we talk, you're going to have like an MD, a PhD, a JD, <laughs> like Molly's, Molly's got everything.
0: <laughs> I, I'm not, there's some people who do PhDs and MDs at the same time during medical school, like they do a dual degree. So they'll be doctor, doctor by the time they graduate. And I am in awe of those people. That's (laughs) scary. That sounds scary. Yeah, I'm thinking after MD, I might be done. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, education is a really, a privilege I'm really fortunate to have. And it's something I'm very passionate about, especially knowing that that might not have been um, a privilege I would have had if I'd stayed in China.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that, too. Because like, coming to America, like for me, coming to America, and then the family that adopted me really focused on making sure I was educated and could be self, in, like independent, and mm-hmm. you know drive my future forward to where I wanted it to go. Versus, as you said, like in China, it could not have been that. You know, there's a possibility it wasn't that chance. That it's actually more likely, honestly, yeah. and especially being female, we could have just been, you know, maybe exactly. living in the village and just village life and female things only. Oh,
0: I would have been horrible if i had to take care of a house or <laughs> to do like chores on a farm um i'll say <laughs> I, it, it, I would not have been good at that at all um so i'm very fortunate in that way um and i think one thing i'll add when i got to kind of the interview stage um i did talk about my adoption when i was doing my interviews um, mm. a medical school and it's very interesting because you can see obviously the interviews face and sometimes they're they're supposed to be very um, blank face and not give a lot of expressions but I found opening up about my adoption and talking about this and giving my perspective and how you know why I want to go to into medicine because of the privilege of education and the privilege of having amazing health care here in Canada versus perhaps somewhere else in the world um, I think was definitely a point that um I think hopefully made me a unique applicant. Um, But I think it's also kind of weird to talk about your adoption story (laughs) to complete strangers. Um, So I was very hesitant to do it, but I'm glad I did. I think it just, it's part of who I am. So it was something I needed to talk about. It made sense to talk about it when I got to the interview stage, depending on the questions they asked and such.
1: Yeah, it definitely shows like a strength and, you know, being able to show that vulnerable side of you, as you said, to a complete stranger. So...
0: Yeah, a complete stranger who's sitting there with a notepad marking, (laughs) taking down notes. (laughs) And judging me. (laughs) Exactly, don't judge me. (laughs) But yeah, I Um, think it's interesting for sure, um, just talking about adoption to people and realizing and reflecting on your own adoption. And you mentioned you started,
1: um, you know, kind of becoming more curious. So did you start doing more research or curious as in like reaching, like talking to your mom and like finding... More details of like, as who can you contact? Or, you know, yeah, maybe start searching or.
0: So I think for them, the most part, I think I had a huge spike in interest after I got accepted to medical school, um, mm-hmm. and I think the reason for this was, I was you get you, when you get accepted to medical school, it's a huge thing you celebrate with your family and your friends. Um, so being able to tell my adoptive grandparents and my aunts and uncles and such this information and my friends it's it's the best feeling obviously in the world um not obviously but it's one of the best feelings in the world and I think that was the first time I really felt a need or felt a desire to want to connect with my birth parents because I finally had something to tell them I don't know if you can understand that it's like I've always kind of wished I could talk to them but now it's like oh I really wish I could tell them that like hey things turned out okay you know whatever decision they made or not um, whether it was a decision they wanted to make or a decision they were forced into making things are okay over here um, and that you know I'm gonna be okay so I think that was the first time I really felt a desire to just to connect with them I think it's always been like oh it'd be nice like oh I wonder if they're thinking about me oh I'm thinking about them Uh, but it's like oh I really wish I could pick up the phone and talk to them and I think just because I was picking up the phone for many of my own family members and just letting them know this big news I right. did feel a bit sad that I couldn't pick up the phone and tell that um, so I think that was probably the biggest spike of interest I've had recently about learning by adoption um, and I think I've kind of dove into the adoptee community a little bit so I've found you guys um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and joining Facebook groups that I didn't even know existed which is crazy um, I'm so glad that There's so many resources now for adoptees. And I think I will just continue at my own pace exploring things a little bit.
1: Yeah, as you're ready and kind of just wherever life takes you. Mm -hmm. I definitely feel the same way about that. And I remember um, that feeling like really hit when I was watching the One Child Nation documentary and saw the family um, kind of talking about, you know, what like when they had to give up their children, what that was like for them. And just kind of wondering where they're at now. And it gave, I remember even younger, I felt this, but especially at that moment, I felt the desire to just like, I wish I could find my birth parents at this moment. And no matter how they feel, whether they want to see me or not, like I, or, you know, if they want me in their life or not, I just want to let them know, like, that I am so thankful to them for giving me a second chance. And, you know, hopefully, like, you know, with a mindset of giving me, like, a better chance at life. And just, letting yeah. you know, like, I'm okay, and I'm thriving, and I'm so grateful.
0: Yeah, and I recently watched that uh, documentary. It's an amazing documentary for anyone um, who hasn't watched it and feels comfortable doing it. Definitely go um, do it. I think you'll thank yourself later for it. Um, it's a hard yeah. documentary definitely to watch. I had to watch it over a span of a couple of days, I think, just because, like, every single time I would see something and I'd have so many thoughts about it and just need to, like, reflect on my own thoughts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the most maybe angering things for me watching the video was at one point they called the the village midwives or the people who were kind of doing the sterilizations and sometimes the abortions they called them village doctors, um, and that made me really angry. I think in a little bit of ways, um, just seeing that doctor was being associated with some of those, those questionable acts um, that yeah. were being you know forced without consent onto some people. Um, just as somebody who's as all, if all things go well will be hopefully become a doctor um, it made me a bit mad to see that that word was being associated with some of those um, potentially crimes maybe <laughs> depending on how you look at it definitely because like the the
1: term doctor is as- associated and means basically healing and helping someone and you know fixing someone not taking things away involuntarily mm-hmm
0: yeah and like we've already learned so much in like the first couple or first week of school um how important privacy and consent is here in mm. canada for doctors um and just consent in general when it comes to any medical procedure um and making sure patients know what's going on um and trying to explain to them as best as possible um which obviously is not the case if these village doctors you know we're doing forced sterilizations and such um so it was very interesting to kind of see those that were a doctor being associated with these acts and these people who were doing these things to unfortunate um, women or even girls, really. Um, some of them, I'm sure, were quite young. So it made me definitely feel really uncomfortable that that was happening uh, and a little bit angry. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, but like you said, watching that video and just, I was kind of like one of the bigger exposures I had to kind of learning a bit about the human, potential human trafficking. Um, mm-hmm. Going on and surrounding our adoption, I don't. I know you said you're adopted from Hunan, and I think they said in the documentary that there is another province that a lot of girls were brought to, uh, or came from, and then brought to Hunan. Um, that was kind of like a common path for a lot of human trafficking. So seeing that, I think definitely was a little bit of a hit. Just kind of wondering, like, is my growth story actually what I think it is? Just the information that I was given. Um, I was very fortunate that my parents just kind of gave me everything and said, you know, this is what you know about you. This is how old you were when you were found. You were found at a police station. Uh, but like also hearing in the video that, oh, this is like kind of very common in terms of like people's um, finding stories I don't know what to call it. But those details that kind of we get with being adopted.
1: Yeah, it's like we have so little information to start out with. And now even that tiny amount of information we it's just you're forced to question it because as you said like it was a super common thing and i remember prior to the documentary i actually looked up more about the region that i was adopted in which was actually right next to the town that was mentioned in the documentary so seeing what? that like towns like the screen like hunan and then it was like lee something um yeah. just like f- like punched me in the emotions
0: yeah it's, it's like a gut punch, honestly. it's kind of takes the wind out of you for a couple of days because you got to think about it. it. kind of changes your perspective on things. Yeah. Um, and I think like for anybody who might be going through that, um you know definitely I guess feel those emotions and just kind of determine on how you want to. I've kind of you know I've been sad about it, um, been angry about it, and I think that's all valid emotions to have. I think for the most part for myself, I'm somebody who likes to focus on the positive so I've just been you know kind of trying to focus on that. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's hard to hear those things, and it's hard to know that our stories may not be exactly what they um, say they are, or they might have been fabricated. So I think it was a very good documentary, and I think I was fortunate that I was in the place where I was comfortable to watch it. So if you are comfortable to watch it, I, I definitely would check it out.
1: Yeah, definitely wait till, like, when you feel emotionally ready, because yeah. it will be a lot to absorb.
0: Yeah, maybe not during COVID. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, unless emotions you have, like, are someone there, like who's like there to support you like when yeah. i watched it for the first time it was actually um with maya amy um and one of the guests we had on to when we were watching it to prep for a podcast episode
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and like that definitely helped having them there um because i remember i was talking to shelly and then we were talking about in the episode too and afterwards but it was just like even if you don't kind of break down all your emotions with them it's nice knowing that if you do need the support or you need to talk about it, there's someone there who you can talk about it with and who understands.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's just it's amazing to have support systems like that. And if you're lucky enough, um, you know, use your support system. And if you don't you know, reach out, I think, as we said already, there's a lot more resources for adoptees than uh, now than when there were when I was a bit younger. Um, so I think there's always there's help out there if you need it.
1: Yeah, and the internet, just being able to, like, kind of search anything and just, like, dig through and research.
0: Yeah, the internet can be very useful. It can also be very difficult and sometimes be a bit of a black hole. But I think we're fortunate Mm -hmm. that we have the uh, the internet now. Yeah. And speaking of
1: searching, so have you thought about kind of going back to China to, like, maybe visit it or even do something like start searching for your birth family?
0: Yeah, so... I am definitely open to it. I think, I think, after, as I said, a little bit of now feeling like I really want to talk to them or just give them that piece of information of, hey, like, I've managed to make it to medical school. Life is going to be okay. Um, I think I'm definitely more interested. I'm in a place that I feel better. I think also, I'm also at the place of, you know what, if my story isn't right or if it's a bit weird or if they don't want to talk to me, I feel that I'm strong enough emotionally now to handle that. I don't know if I would have been when I was younger. Um, so, I think if I'm more prepared for a negative outcome than I would have been when I was younger. Um, but I think I would be. Unfortunately, medical school is a bit busy. <laughs> um, so, I don't know exactly when I'd have the time to. I have done a 23andMe test, um, I did one in university. And that was amazing just to kind of see that I have other family members. It's kind of a weird concept because for me, it's like, oh, there's me. And then there's my birth. Parents. And I never really considered I'd have cousins or grandparents or aunts and uncles or third cousins. Um, mm. and just seeing a bunch of third cousins that was the closest relationship I got on 23 and Um, but just seeing that I had potential cousins and that those cousins would have had, you know, aunts or parents that somehow related back to my, you know, more immediate family tree was kind of mind blowing <laughs> just to be like, Oh, I'm not the only one out here. Um, so that was, I think, kind of the first step for me, just doing that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think if, you know, things work out in terms of medical school and residency and I'm able to and traveling is a thing again, I would be very interested. I, I think I'd love to actually do it with another adoptee. I think that would be a very good experience.
1: Would you do it with um, kind of one of your adoptee sisters?
0: Um, Potentially. It's kind of interesting because we've all grown up together that when we come together we actually don't only really talk about our adoption i don't know if that's normal or not normal cuz we are just like we're like oh yeah we're all adopted but we'll talk about you know partners and love lives and school and cuz you're you know, just friends you know the, yeah the topic is adoption you're actually friends yeah so it's it's i i think we don't really actually talk about our adoption too much um but i think if one of them wanted to yeah it'd be amazing to do that it'd be really cool cuz obviously we we're adopted the same time and lived in the same orphanages so that would been really that'd be a really cool experience to do it with one of them if they wanted to
1: yeah and you said you were adopted through an organization um I know the one that I was I was adopted through I think uh Hope International they do their like the program of like visiting back for kind of culture sake but yes. it's you know kind of hard to like you kind of want to go to your main area and like see who that is so have mm-hmm. you thought about kind of hiring a personal guide or even though like I think there's like those detectives who like help you find. Yeah.
0: So I, so I have been back to China. Um, <laughs> I was lucky enough to go back when I was about ten years old with my parents, um, mm-hmm. and I think that was really amazing. Like the timing, I think was really good because I think by the time I was like ten, I was starting to ask more questions and just wanted to see things, you know, um, and get a sense. So we went on a three week a three week trip um, back to China. We had to go to um, Beijing, Shanghai, and Hunan. Uh, uh, so I did get to see a little bit of kind of the culture there. I got to go back to the orphanage. I got to talk to the nannies who took care of me. Um, so we took photos again kind of 10 years later of compared to the photos they took uh, on my adoption day with the nannies, which is quite cute. Um, they couldn't hold me anymore, obviously. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was kind of cool. It's a bit of a grow up <laughs> photo there. Um, so that was really lovely. Just being able to talk to them. I got to ask some of my questions, and as a 10-year-old, I had some really funny questions. I had, like, I wanted to know what toy I played with the most, or <laughs> who, who my crib mate was, or did I cry all the time? Uh, I think those are some of the questions I had. Um, and then I also got to go back to the police station I was supposedly found at, so that was definitely kind of a, it was a good emotional um, trip I think I was prepared for at the age of 10. So I've been lucky to see a little bit of it. Um, I know things have probably changed a lot in the last 10 years. So I would love to go back and do that. Um, In terms of like hiring a detective and like trying to like find a bursar like that, I just, I'm definitely very concerned about like scams and stuff. Um, So I think it's going to, I think I'll have to find somebody who's done it before and see their experience with it. Um, Also just like with DNA and giving someone your DNA to go test your dna with other people's dna because i've heard that they do trips like that sometimes um mm-hmm. concerns me a little bit <laughs> but i think i think i'm going to keep my eyes open to see what happens and keep the conversation going with people and if i find somebody who's had a positive experience and it seems uh, legit i think i will definitely go through with it
1: yeah like handing willingly handing your dna to you know a private company like 23andme <laughs> is one thing i'm like okay i can I'm okay with that, but like, handing yeah. China for
0: some reason is just like, yeah, no, yeah, and like, no no. it's it's one of those things. It's like because I, was, I know a little bit about you know DNA and stuff, um, just from my sciencey background, and it's it's not something you want to hand out to random strangers for sure. Um, yeah. And who knows what the world is going to be like <laughs> in the next ten or twenty years if we're going to have clones or robots? I don't know, but mm. I. I'm definitely interested. I just don't know how to yet. And I think I'm just waiting. I do think that there's because of how um, our age is getting older now, like people who are adopted are now kind of turning into their 20s, um, Mm -hmm. mid 20s and such. We're getting a bit older. I think that there'll probably be a bit more movement, um, hopefully around this topic. And potentially, maybe there'll be more structured ways to find people.
1: Yeah, the struggle is like Chinese documentation was <laughs> complete garbage. It's it was non-existent. Yeah, it's, non, it's either non-existent or it was, you know, poisoned as we talk about, like by possible human trafficking. Um, yep. And then the records were just old like paper records that, you know, just kind of were written. So they may not even still have something like that. And not everyone was yeah. tracked because, you know, what if you came from a village? So there's just so many unknowns in such a big country.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a bit of a headache if you start thinking of how would you even start. Um, But yeah, I'm hoping that I'm hoping I'm hopeful for the future that somebody will maybe get get a system going.
1: (laughs) Yeah, fingers crossed. I would I would jump in on that if they
0: did. Yeah, um, or we'll just invent time machines and time travel, and then we just go back and figure it out. But see, then we get, like, the Meet the Robinson situation, where Ah, uh, yes, do I want to see this? And, like,
1: would it stop anything or change, you know?
0: Oh, I remember that movie.
1: <laughs> that hit me. I was like, Ah, oh, man. That was,
0: yeah, I remember watching that and not knowing that it was going to be like that, and I was like, what?
1: <laughs> it's like that mixture of frustration, but also, like, you understand, and it's just.
0: That's a really good way to describe it, yeah, definitely. Yeah. After you watch that movie.
1: And it's also great, though, like that you were young and you were able to kind of go back and connect with your story, you know, and from there kind of, you know, build your own narrative almost.
0: I think um, going back when I was about 10, as I said, it was a pretty decent age um, just because that was kind of you get curious when you're 10, I think. And I think I like, like could fully kind of understand, OK, this is what adoption means. Um, maybe not fully, but a lot more than when I was four or five. Um, but also I think um, I, our, my group was lucky that a good number of us have gone back um, at one point or another. So it was kind of almost like a rite of passage in a way. It was like it was going to happen eventually. I think my parents always knew that I would want to go back and they were fully supportive of, of that.
1: That's just really awesome that your parents have just been kind of there for you all the way. And you've had that support system from your family to the people you were adopted with. And even your friends just, you know, Casually accepting it, so that's that's really yeah for you.
0: I think I've been very fortunate that that has never been um it's never been something that I've had to hide or never something that I've had to be ashamed of. I think is the best way to say it. My parents have definitely been very good. They've been very supportive. If I wanted to do a birth search, they're more than happy to help me in any way they can, um which has been very very like it's very overwhelming the the support that they've been giving me for that. And so I'm very fortunate in that sense. And it's interesting that you mentioned
1: like the kind of like shame aspect because I've definitely found that um when you when adoption is kind of like brushed under the rug or it's like, oh, don't talk about this or like don't think about it. Um mm-hmm. it kind of creates that feeling of like guilt or shame of like, oh, like is this a bad thing to talk about? Like is this oh like what's like the negative? Like why can't we talk about it? Like why are we hiding it? Like it mm-hmm. just creates kind of this contradicting feelings almost.
0: I think so. And I think like, I can see it a little bit in my adoption group. Some of us are more open about talking about it and some of us are more um, comfortable about it. Um, so I think it's very individual about like how, if you feel ashamed about it, if you are comfortable talking about it and not. I, as I said, I had a decently positive experience with my adoption, so I'm fairly comfortable with it. I'm comfortable of that being a part of my identity um, and who I am. And But I know not everybody is.
1: Mm, yeah, everyone's journey is different. And, you know, just the way we manage things emotionally is different.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, That's, that's the great things about humans is that we're
1: all different. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it's also nice that like, even with, you know, our different stories and how we're processing things, that we can find other people in the community who understand, and you know, may not understand fully, but, you know, pieces here and there. And you just have someone you can talk to or support you in that way, if you don't have like immediate family people.
0: Yeah, I think for sure. I think that's like especially the online community is way stronger than I I thought it would be. I admit I'm a bit of a lurker. Um I don't comment (laughs) too much, but it's it's just it's nice to see so many people being so open about it. I know that there's been like gift exchange and stuff and people are like, hey, like they'll tell their stories. Um people often like post things that they're maybe troubled about or worried about and want someone to talk to and then people be like, Yeah, like message me, like we'll talk about this. Um that's I think it's it's just so amazing to see well, uh, technology has been able to support um, people in that sense that even though we're all far apart in different countries, even like here in the US and like Canada, um, there is ways to connect.
1: For sure. And it's it was just so surprising to see how warm everyone was, like complete strangers on the internet. And you grow up and people are like, stranger danger, don't talk to random people. <laughs> but then <Yeah. laughs> that gives them access to that. And you're like, wow, wait, these random people are better than people in my real life.
0: oh <laughs> Yeah, I think it's amazing how um (laughs) sometimes you just forget maybe rules that you're not supposed to follow in terms of like complete strangers um i definitely have had like a couple of conversations where people have been so open it open like when i've talked to them about things um and it just get that nice warm wholesome feeling (laughs) in -hmm. your chest and it just is amazing to see how humans can connect in different ways yeah um before wrapping things up i just want to check if there's you know
1: anything else like specific topics you wanted to talk about um or share maybe any resources
0: advice um one thing i want to do a little bit about kind of self-promote here um is that since getting into medical school i've started a youtube and instagram channel um for pre-meds and people in medical school um interesting. the medical community also has a very strong online presence as well mm. um so I, i've joined that so if anyone is looking to go into medicine, whether if you're a Canadian or U.S. or somewhere else, uh, a student from somewhere else, um, you know, love. I would love to have you follow me. I talk about a lot of kind of pre-med stuff and what medical school is like, especially what medical school is like during the pandemic. Um, definitely going to be talking a little bit more about how being adopted has affected my journey through medicine a little bit, uh, but it's called the Med Truck. And I'd be happy to have you guys come join me and connect with me there. I would definitely
1: love to because I really, I've just always found healthcare kind of a passion for me. I thought about going Mm -hmm. to med school, but I found like my skills and like what would make me happy was elsewhere, but still in that same field. So I'd love to see kind of what your experience is like. And, you know, as you said, like what your journey, um, how it's affected by adoption and also COVID because- and I think schooling in general is just crazy, but I can imagine med school where you have to do, you know, practicals and you're supposed to be working with people face to face or, you know, Yeah, I think be like.
0: Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting. And like I talked about this a little bit about how my adoption, I think, has definitely shaped some aspects of my life and probably has shaped why I wanted to go into medicine. Um, just the whole having a passion for healthcare, because I know healthcare might have not been the same in my ultimate life. Um, if I had mm. not been adopted, same with education um it's kind of it's kind of funny because it's like well people who don't know who I'm adopted when I tell them I'm going to medical school they're like oh your parents must be so proud you're doing the typical Asian you know career and I'm like my parents are actually my parents are actually white they had they did not care at all if I went to medical school or not they're very supportive but they're like do whatever you want (laughs) just be happy so I think that's kind of interesting because some people maybe I fit the more stereotypical Asian than I think I actually do (laughs) but it's interesting for sure
1: yeah it's funny and you pull that card and you're like well, actually, guys.
0: Yeah, actually. I, Big I, twist. I I'm, yeah, my parents had, I think parents actually, they really wanted me to be an electrician or a plumber for the longest time, I think. They thought oh. that would be a really good fit, and I was not interested in either of those things. Um, so they're like, "Ah, oh, we don't know where this doctor came from. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a new one. I've never heard of, like, um, parents pushing for that. They, uh, the trades, I think, in Canada are, like, decently, uh, there's a lot decent amount of career opportunities and growth. Um, mm. And they just wanted me to be happy. And I think they knew how hard medical school is and to get in. So they're like, Are you sure you want? And I'm like, Yes, <laughs> I want to <laughs> do this. <laughs> um But yeah, medicine is something I've always wanted to do. Um, apparently, even when I was three or four, um, it was the first Aww. career path I said. There's photos of me playing dress up, um, being a doctor, make believe doctor. It's just in your DNA somewhere. <laughs> maybe, maybe there is another doctor in my family. That'd be very interesting.
1: It's funny. I actually had the like you, I had a kind of a twist when I was thinking about going to middle school, and people were like, Oh, yeah, Asian stereotype. But yeah, it's the opposite because my parents actually tried to convince me out of it because they were worried about, for me, my mental health aspect of it.
0: Yeah, I think, I think it's, yeah, stereotypes with that. I think stereotypes would just like, I don't know if you've ever felt like people try and stereotype you as an Asian or a Chinese. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then you're like, that's not me. Um, I don't know how that makes you feel. I Sometimes
1: I kind of just like use it as a joke of like, oh, yeah, I play piano. I'm like stereotypical Asian. Really yeah. like cool, like blah, blah, blah. And like you kind of own it that way. Um, and then mm-hmm. other times it's just it's been so infuriating to me, like seeing them stereotype me or other people. And it's like, yeah, mm, right on, I'm not right even on. giving a chance to know me or like even hear my story.
0: Yeah, and I was thinking, me, my mom actually talked about this the other day. I don't know why I brought up the conversation, but I also play piano. I also play violin, um, and I'm going to medical school, and I probably did a couple of stereotypical Asian things. But I also played hockey my whole life, which is a very Canadian thing. Mm-hmm. And I think if people ask me, like, what do you identify with? I would probably just say Canadian, because that's what I feel. I feel Canadian. Um, sometimes, I don't know if you sometimes you forget that you're born from China in some ways, like, you just don't remember or just not the most it's not like what you identify with all the time um but i think it's it's interesting when people try and put you in boxes and you're like wait actually no i play hockey <laughs> I, I love maple syrup
1: yeah for sure especially like i've found i don't really i have like a single identification because yeah I mean, you you are a, you're you've got a lot oh uh, yeah i'm a trio i bag. <laughs> And I mean, I guess like, you know, I'm I'm technically an American, but I don't always feel American and I don't always yeah. like being considered an American, <laughs> especially now.
0: Well we'll always welcome you, the Canadians.
1: You know, I'm I'm willing to join the border. I mean hop the border. I mean, Amy and I have been thinking about it. We were literally just talking about it to Maya, um, maybe like an hour or two ago of like, <laughs> would Canada even accept us right now?
0: Uh. Yeah, we're We're dealing with a lot of COVID cases here, so I don't know if you'd be able to come right now. But later, I'd always love to show you guys Canada because it's, it's a great place to live. I'm down. I'm, yeah, I I'm, think for the most part, yeah, would say Canada or Canadian is what I identify with more than Chinese or China.
1: Yeah, and it makes sense because that's what you grew up with. And like just because your DNA says one thing doesn't mean that's what your personality and your emotions feel.
0: No, not at all. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. that's something I've learned. I think it's just something you learn about when you grow up and it's like oh it's okay it's okay things are gonna be okay
1: yeah it's all about like you know that struggle of finding your identity and choosing how you want to define yourself not how others want to define you and mm-hmm. box you
0: and I don't know like did you grow up in a predominantly white area would you say
1: oh yes <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was that idea. white
1: hat like anytime there'd be another eight a- like if there were multiple asians in the classroom we'd always get like paired together because they're like oh you're a cute couple we're like you guys must be best friends uh, and know each other
0: that infuriates me Yep. uh i think i also for the most part i guess from kindergarten to grade six in grade eight even was like one of the o- only asian kids um in the class so i think I was always like oh that's the asian kid. Um but I think mm-hmm. it's okay with it because like my parents were very um active in my school. So we would do they would come in for Chinese New Year and they'd give chocolates out and they would do the autumn Moon festival, uh, ah. festival and such so it was like oh yeah this is like one of my cool things and like everyone loves the kid who brings in chocolate, right? Um that's true. <laughs> who brings in the chocolate coins for Chinese New Year. So I think it, I felt probably more asian as the a kid, a little cuz like I was the only asian. Um and then I think in high school, I kind of stuck with the majority of my friends who were white, uh, just because they're the people I grew up with. But there were more Asians at my school. Um, I think I Think once I got to university, I realized I'm not very Asian, because mm. I, I ended up joining the Dragon Boat team at McMaster. And obviously, the Dragon Boat team has a lot of Chinese and Asian uh, members. And seeing how Asian they were, it's like, oh, yeah, very Canadian.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's fun as a kid, like when you get to celebrate those holidays and it kind of like connects you more as like an easy way to connect to it but then when you get older you kind of see what makes it so complicated like it's more than just the food or the celebration it's like oh wow there's like you know um just certain mannerisms or the language and like just things that like the unspoken things
0: exactly and I think I don't know if you went to Chinese school like Saturday Chinese school but yeah (laughs) parents Um, I did too for one year, but I got like D's in all courses like, because like it's hard because like our parents, said, your parents might have, your mom might have spoken Chinese or another language, different um,
1: dialect of Chinese, sadly. So yeah. even then, it didn't, we couldn't talk yeah. to each
0: other. So my poor parents and I were trying to go through this Chinese homework and just struggling. And I, being a, somebody who really cared about marks, even when I was like a little kid, I was like, I don't want to do this school if I'm going to get D's and C's. Um, mm. but I think that was very very interesting um and then just seeing how kind of i guess maybe a bit whitewash our celebrations are compared to those like celebrations like my mom did a very decent job when i was younger like cooking traditional food like we'd have storybooks about it Um, they're big book people Um, wow but like they would give me a new book about the chinese history and culture um every year kind of with chinese new year and autumn moon festival but In more recent years, definitely, because we've just been busy and not living in the same city. So it's harder to celebrate. Our Chinese New Year has been going to the Mandarin. (laughs) So it's it's interesting how things change a little bit. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's nice that they like
1: kind of normalized it and like made that part of your like adoptive culture. Yeah. Because like they took part in it too, instead of just like sending you somewhere. And like they took an active role in making it happen.
0: It was probably definitely really funny to see my two white parents and me in the student-teacher-parent meeting that you have to do. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) They're like, how can we help her? (laughs) Because she's not doing very good. (laughs) I'm like, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, I think I wish I stuck it out a little bit longer because it would have been nice to have learned another language and know more about it. But I hated it at the time um, just because everybody was so much better at writing Chinese, speaking Chinese, and me. Um, But my parents did a really amazing job just... Being open to teaching my class um, about Chinese New Year and different traditions. they did a Chinese counting class. I had to count to ten in Chinese. Um, mm. I don't think I remember how to anymore, so I won't try. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they were very, very uh, supportive and very um, involved with that part of my life. Mm. But yeah, I think it's one of those things yeah definitely you wish now that you had stuck with it a little bit, but at the time, it was horrible <laughs> and the most <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> unfortunately, but Definitely, I'm glad that my parents at least gave me the chance to, in case I decided to be a language wizard and was really good at it and picked it up easily.
1: (laughs) I think it would have definitely been easier, though, if we had it in our American schools, because we'd be learning with other people who don't understand the dialect and like (laughs) just suck as much as we do, as you said, and like not have the ability to practice with family.
0: Yeah, I think it's the biggest thing, because for us, we would go home and practice with our family members who don't speak the language versus they go home and they have parents who speak it probably speak it fluently um so definitely a disadvantage yeah
1: it's a a frustration too and like as a kid it's just like why as you mentioned like why why am I putting myself this just to fail
0: oh yeah I was totally not happy when I got the report card back I think I still have it um (laughs) but I don't know why I still have it but I was definitely like this is the only time I've ever gotten a C in my life what do you mean?
1: Oh yeah, no, that was that was for sure me. I was like, what is this letter? I've never had this letter on my thing before. What what's happening? Yeah.
0: So I was like, I'm not doing this anymore.
1: <laughs> I actually started um sneaking away <laughs> and like skipping <gasps> out a little you? bit. So I'd go to the my mom would drop me off and then I'd go to the bathroom and I would just read. I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna educate myself in another way.
0: I know one other there's one other I think maybe, it might have just been a week camp, but there's one other boy who was there, and he had Pokemon, like, on the old Game Boy, <laughs> um, and we would just play Pokemon in the tasks. and He had an extra one. So, I was not learning at all, is <laughs> the answer.
1: <laughs> I mean, you were learning other things, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I was
0: learning how to catch a Pikachu.
1: It's specific life skills of, you know, like, waiting for just the right moment and, like, balancing the attack versus, like, healing.
0: Yeah, and now with Pokemon Go, you know, back, like, I'm already ahead of everybody. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, it's been so great talking with you. And it's, it's been really fun because we have like such similar stories. So it's been amazing to connect and like kind of see it from someone else's perspective and also someone who just, you know, understands.
0: Yeah, no, thank you so much for letting me uh, come on and talk to you guys about this. I was excited because again, like I said, I'm trying to get more involved with the adoptee community. Um, so this has been a great first step.
1: To our listeners, uh, thanks for joining us today. Tune in next week for another episode. If you're interested in participating in one of these episodes, please email us at somewhere.between.podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to join our Instagram family at somewherebetween.fam to stay connected with updates, casting calls, and more. See you guys next week.